This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning prop firm, Fidel Crest. Trading Nut, episode 209. When I had that doorman job, when I was a full-time college student, when I was living on my own, um, there, there would be times where I just wake up, I would sleep, wake up, put alarm at 2, 3 a.m., try to see if there's a setup present. If there's not, I'll just sleep, wake up for a New York session. Um, but for me right now, it's like I, I'm up London and New York session. And just because I'm up London and New York session doesn't mean I'm just watching the charts. The moment I wake up, I look at the charts. Um, I believe the first 15 minutes of analyzing the charts, since you have a fresh outlook, you can find the cleanest setups. But the more you look at the charts, the more your brain starts making up random trades. So the moment I wake up, if there's nothing clean, I shut off my laptop and I just continue my day. I go to the gym during um, London session, come back for New York session, see if there's anything clean. If there's nothing clean, maybe I'll come back a couple of hours later to see if any setup formed. But if there's nothing clean at all, I close my laptop and just continue my day. Um, I don't need to force any setups. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than... I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Up podcast. What a treat I've got for you today. We've got Paladin here in the house. Now, he's only 21 years old. He's an ICT trader. In fact, he got a shout-out from ICT on Twitter just last week. And last year, in 2022, he managed to withdraw about $250,000 from prop firms. So this is an absolutely outstanding story you're about to hear how he went from 2021 not making any withdrawals to a year of complete and utter annihilation of the markets um, so that is coming up we also in the interview get so many tricks and tips from paladin one of them uh, is only going to take you two minutes and basically it's going to help you keep on top of that mindset with your probability thinking, okay? So it's going to help you keep referring to that and keep that ingrained in your mind. And after this, we did shoot a video as well where Paladin breaks down what he does on a price chart, obviously using ICT concepts. So talking about ICT, we should get him back on the show, shouldn't we? So folks, if you can help me with that, that would be fantastic. We had him on years ago now, so I'd love to get an update. All right. Other things going on here at Trading Up, we've got the Robot Builders Club Boot Camp, first ever. It's only a three-hour boot camp. It's going to be run over two days, 1.5 hours each day, there or thereabouts. And I'm going to give you the fundamentals you need to get started with automating your trading strategies. Now, it's over there on tradingnut.com. Click on the robots link. I'll put a link under the video here where you'll be able to get access to that. You're going to learn how to use the most powerful EA builder in the world and automate virtually anything you can dream up and, and turn it into a full-on automated strategy. We're going to teach you how to do that. Uh, also, I'm going to show you my efficient and stress-free way of doing it as well and the two most important tricks I've learned over the eight years of using this software. And also, we're going to turn a manual trading strategy into a fully automated one all within that period of time. That's how quick you can do things with this. There'll be recordings available if you can't make the live calls as well. So folks, I'd love to see you over there. And it is at a super, super, super low price as well. So go and check it out over there on tradingnut.com. Last but not least, let's hear from my sponsor and then get on with the show.
Fidel Crest is an award-winning prop firm that funds traders with up to $2 million and offers generous profit splits up to 90%. So what sets Fidel Crest apart? Well, it's their verification stage payouts of up to 30 k in as little as 15 days. So you can receive your first payout prior to becoming a fully funded trader. Just complete the challenge phase and verification stage without violating any rules to receive your first payout. And be sure to use promo code TRADINGNUT, all one word, to get 10% off your next challenge. Click the link in the description below or the card above to find out more. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Paladin in the house from New York City. Welcome to the show, Paladin. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Hey, look, folks, I know a lot of you have reached out and said, can you get this guy on? Because some of the stuff he's done uh, in 2022 is pretty phenomenal. So we're going to start the show off by finding out what you've actually achieved this well past year. We've just, I think we're in the first week of 2023. So yeah, how did this year go for you? Well, this year, so I've been trading for, I started in 2019 and 2022 was my fourth year of trading and I haven't been profitable at all my first three years. And 2022 came, I started 2022 as a doorman living on my own in a basement with sharing, or I had my own room, but I was sharing the basement and it was with strangers and I was doing profits. I had a 200k FTMO funded account. Um, I was working on building more, I was working on building my empire, I like to say, building more funded accounts, um, buying more challenges from the withdrawals from my 200k funded account while working as while working in my doorman job. And then eventually the months went by. I started actually understanding how to trade, how to manage these accounts. I slowly started building my capital. I went from 200k to 400k by like March. And then I was able to get a big withdrawal by April, I think around $46,000 with FTMO. And then from there on, it just skyrocketed up. My first three years of trading has been all negative. Um, my first year, I was down a couple of hundred, second year, a couple of thousand, third year, a couple of like, like $10, $20,000. And finally, my fourth year, I had my breakthrough year. I did not expect this at all. And... The moment I got that point to keep on the ground, that big withdrawal, I invested it all back into challenges. I was able to get to seven figures in capital with a bunch of different prop firms. Um, and I ended the year with around 250K in total prop firm withdrawals. So, and I'm here now. 250, <laughs> that is crazy. That is a crazy year. 250K yeah. in prop firm withdrawals from the year before, not making anything. That is ridiculous. January. January, my monthly income was like $2,000 from that doorman job. Wow, wow, wow. So, folks, we're in for a treat today because we're going to find out how he managed to do this and how he got there. Um, So, yeah, let's dive back into 2019 when you first started trading. How did you get into it and what was your journey from there? So, I started trading in high school when I was 17. It was actually in 2018 of December I got recruited into IML which is a network marketing company that sells Forex education through my friend. And then 2019, I was in that company. I was learning from the educators, but I was also mainly on that networking side of it because they said they said that if you get two people on, you get free education. If you get more people on, you get commissions. So I was focused on that side as well while trading on the side, but wasn't really focused on trading. I would trade a couple of hours a week, but it wasn't my main focus. Then after high school, halfway through 2019, I went to college. And it was at that point, I thought, what am I going to do with my life? Um, it was halfway through college. Uh, I was 
studying a bunch of different subjects that I had no interest in, for example, like history. And we have to do like essays on that. And then I was like, I'm not spending my time learning this. Now, I'm not saying drop out of college or anything. I'm just saying that's what happened with me. Uh, I ended up dropping out halfway throughout my se semester in 2019. Um, I was staying at my friend's house for a couple of weeks. And keep in mind, my parents, they went back to their country after I graduated from high school. So I had nowhere to stay in New York City. So I was staying at my friend's house for a couple of weeks, figuring out where am I going to stay. Um, and I eventually just went back to my parents' country in India for six months. I told them that I'm taking a gap year, a gap semester, because I can't tell them I dropped out. Um, and <laughs> so I spent my six months in India. It was This was 2020. And in 2019, during college, I was studying um, through IML, all that education, um, a bunch of different strategies, indicators, all that. And then 2020, when I was in India, I discovered ICT through Levi on YouTube. It was a YouTube video called Institutional Trading Method. And then I started with that and I, I eventually learned that ICT created this and I joined ICT. I joined another educator who was a six-figure student named Jean, who was doing live sessions with ICT concepts. So I was just learning those, I was just learning from those educators during those six months span, um, waking up from the moment I woke up to the moment I slept, I was either studying the charts, doing personal development for those entire six months. So that's 2020. That's 2020. So you got to 20. Okay. So you were literally just sort of, you dove into the ICT thing and would you call yourself an ICT only trader or now, or do you merge that with other styles or your own techniques? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the concepts I use are the smart money concepts. A lot of it, I guess, like, for example, there's one concept called OTE, which is basically retracement levels. So it's somewhat similar. Um, so yeah, I would say I'm an ICT trader. I use this concepts a lot. Right. Okay. And so what do you think that, oh, sorry, when you started using these, uh, you're obviously watching these live calls where people were trading the same concept and you were able to pick things up from there. <clears throat> what yeah. was the sort of and you still weren't profitable at this point right so that's 2020 no, no, yeah no, no, so no. so what was what was going wrong there when you're actually seeing people placing these trades or setting these levels and stuff and yeah, so, you're not able to able to capitalize from that no because um uh, so first off i barely had any money so i dropped out with no money in my bank account only in 2022 when i was in india i only had a couple of hundreds of dollars in my bank account which i was trading through that on a, on a broker, Hugo's way. So I was trading with that. Um, but the thing is, even if like signal chats, they don't really work because you take the trades and then say, for example, you're doing good. All of a sudden you might up your risk. You don't have that proper risk management. You're, if you lose a couple of trades, you'll start getting emotional. You'll start fear trading. You'll start revenge trading. So it's all, there's a bunch of, it's trading is not just about technical analysis. It's about having a system with an edge having the proper trading psychology and also having a big enough capital to trade because flipping accounts is not realistic. I know it's shown a lot on Instagram by these people with Lamborghinis selling their signal chests and courses showing that they flipped like 50 K to 300 K, but that's not realistic. Um, that's a high risk, high reward type of approach, almost like gambling. And they could afford to take that type of risk. Whereas a regular trader, they can't, if, if all they have is $500 in a bank account, they can't, try to flip it to $2,000 because they might end up losing that entire 500 just to get to 2000. So you have to take it by, by compounding your account, aim for five to 
a month. And that's how you succeed in trading. If I have a hundred thousand dollar profit in front of the account and I aim for five to ten percent a month, that's five thousand dollars, not five to ten percent, more like three to six percent consistently a month. Um, that's like three to six thousand dollars in a hundred K account. That's how you get rich in trading. You don't get rich by flipping your accounts. You need you need a good amount of capital to trade. It's not possible to get rich off a, off a small capital. Even if you spend all the other charts, your analysis is perfect. You have a high accuracy. You're not flipping $1,000 to 100K or something that will leave you at a full time. Um, it covers all your expenses. You're not, not going to get to that point unless you have a huge enough capital. Mm. And it's interesting you say that about the flipping accounts thing because – I mean, what, what I suppose what it's that sort of whole thing of what you don't know, right? So you might not know that the the person flipping the account has, you know, blown four accounts to get to the one they flipped, or that they have done what you've done, like you know, they made two hundred fifty k in one year on a off prop firm um, income and thought, well, I can blow, you know, ten k of that on trying to flip accounts, yeah. and and that's their sort of mindset, whereas what you're saying is man on the street is like, well, this is the 500 bucks I spent, you know, a third of the week working for, uh, or, you know, a day, a day or half a day working for, or whatever it is to get your $500. And you haven't got that same mindset. So you, you're not necessarily yeah. going to be able to just blow it and go, well, now I've got to walk. Yeah, that's a day for me. I've got to work a whole day and I'm, I'm, I'm down on the month. So yeah, interesting <laughs> stuff. Okay. So, so that's, so that, so you change your mindset. I mean, what, let, let's, dive forward a bit into like when things really started to to change because i know you you did a, a bit of reflection there in in terms of cutting people out and cutting you know changing the whole way you you lived your life i mean can you walk us through some of those things yeah so basically iml the company that got me into forex i come from i guess you can see like a normal lifestyle thinking college this that Whereas IML, even though they were mainly network, network marketing, they did instill that entrepreneur mindset in me. They did teach me what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Um, you have to take risk to be scared money, don't make money. I remember that quote from back then. Um, you have to take risk. You cannot give up. There will be hard times, but you must keep pushing. Um, so that's what that's. And then I took that mindset and I literally from 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 the age up to 18, I've had a great social life. I've had so many groups of friends that I used to hang out with. I was out every day. And then at that point, once I finished high school and I was in college, it was like, a, like what's going to happen now? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? Like, you don't, you can't rely on your parents because my parents are back in India. Like, you're on your own now. So then I decided that, and even the, a quote they, they used to say in IML, elevation requires separation. So I realized that I do need to isolate myself from all my friends because at that age, between 18 and 22, all they think about is chasing girls, partying, having fun. I'm thinking about, I need to make sure that my future is secured, like that I don't want to live an average life. Some people don't want to live that average life. So I knew back then that I got to do whatever it takes to make sure I don't live an average life. So I isolated myself in India, six months. I came back, um, after I came back my six months in 2020, I stayed in my friend's house for two months because like I said, I had nowhere to go. And then I moved to an apartment, a shared apartment with my friends. Even at that point, I was on the charts all day. Um, I did not have a social life. I did not meet any of my high school friends. Um, any of my friends that I met, they were in Forex. I barely had any social interactions in 2021. Like the amount of social interactions, I can count it like it's less than what's like the amount of fingers in my hands. <laughs> I also had like five, six social interactions. 
And um, 2021 was like one of my worst years because I've lost, I've lost, I lost so much. Um, I was living in a four bedroom apartment shared like with strangers sharing that one room in a four bedroom apartment with my friend. Uh, we had a bunk bed. I was living on the top bunk. He was living on the bottom bunk and I was still pursuing this dream back then. And I was, I was, it was very lonely, isolated. Um, but I kept, kept, I never gave up. I kept pushing it because I had a strong why, because at that point I was like, I have to keep going. If I quit now, then like, what, like, what, like, what am I going to do? Um, I put so much time, so much effort, thousands of dollars. So how am I going to just end up quitting? Cause I blew my funded account 2021, a bunch of times being greedy. So there was like times when it was very bad. And I told myself, I cannot quit. If I quit now, what makes me think that I can go into something else and thrive in that? So that was my mindset. And eventually in 2022, I finally had my 200k funded account again. I blew three funded account guys. Um, I blew, you're not, it's not. In it's 2022, not great, you blew three accounts or. 2021 to 2022. Yeah, so okay. 2020 was like more of my trial, like getting challenges verification 2021 i did get a I, I did get some funded accounts but i've blown it because when we get that first funded account we think that it's time to get rich we think that now we're going to get rich now we could quit our jobs but what happens is we get greedy because we see a clean setup we think oh if i risk more i can make this much money and eventually we if we lose that trade then we'll lose the next trade and then we'll start doing stupid mistakes to that will lead to the that will lead to our account being blown that was me in my entire 2021. And especially if you're a full-time broke trader, you're not going to make it because trading, your best trading comes when there's no pressure, when you don't have an attachment to the outcome of the trade, when you just let it play out. If I win, I win. If I lose, I lose. That's when your best trading comes because going back to like flipping 5K to 10K, if that's all you had, if that all you have is 5K and you're trying to flip it to 15K, you're going to be invested in those trades. You're going to be like, oh, I should place my stop loss to break even right now, even though price barely moved. You'll make stupid mistakes that you wouldn't have made if you were trading with confidence, if you didn't rely on the outcome of the trade. That's why I always mention that psychology is very, very important aspect in trading. People think that technical analysis is everything. For me, I think that's like 20%. The rest is proper trading psychology, having a system with an edge, knowing what to do, what not to do, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, how can you improvise on your weaknesses to not allow you to self-sabotage your accounts. So yeah, and so so obviously there there must have been a fundamental shift from you know the first three that you blew to the one that you didn't blow, and that actually you know you you took your forty six k or whatever it was. Uh, how did that? How did that sort of? What was the what was the sort of key different uh, difference between those two sets of scenarios? Blowing your third account and not blowing the next one, and actually going on to consistently make um with rules yeah so like so we always say um if you really like trading the zone they say accept your risk right before an amateur trade they'll just read it they'll go buy it but once they trade and they actually blow their account and understand why you have to accept your risk why you have to be detached from the outcome of the trade then they'll understand how important that concept was and for me when i got my first one of the accounts even though i would study all these great traders and they used to give me great advice. It would just go over my head because it was my first time with a funded account. Greed came. I was impatient. I wanted to get rich. And then only till I felt that pain of losing a funded account. So the next time I actually worked hard, started from the bottom again to get a funded account. I remember the last time, oh, the last time I blew that account, it was painful. Are you sure you want to over leverage this time? 
Are you sure you want to be impatient this time? Wouldn't you rather want to aim for small profits and then work on another challenge? And one thing I did was, um, so a lot of us, we do have greed, but we don't have to place that. We have greed, but if we have a funded account, don't place that greed on your funded account. Channel it to your challenges. Say you see a very clean setup. The last three times you've seen the setup, um, you know the trade's going to hit TP. Well, you think you know the trade's going to hit TP. And you're like, screw it. I'm going to deviate from my system and I'm going to risk more. Instead of doing that on your funded account, instead, when you feel that greediness, that emotion, try to challenge to your challenges, something where it doesn't really matter as much. Because if you blow your funded account, you got to start all over from the bottom again. So that was a big change. It was just I've learned from my previous mistakes. Experience is so key in actually growing as a trader. You can't be successful in trading within a couple of months because you haven't learned you haven't experienced, you haven't seen how your emotions causes you to lose your accounts. Um, only through experience with proper guidance does one actually grow as a trader, does one actually become a better trader. So my thought process was it's time to build a foundation. In 2022, I thought, okay, I have a 200k funded account. I'm going to work on getting more, ch more challenges, more funded accounts. If I finally get into, if I finally get to a seven-figure funded account, at that point, a 0.5% risk will be like thousands of dollars to make thousands of dollars. So the whole, from 2021 to 2022, I had that mindset and that was my entire plan. Build the foundation, build your capital. And once you get to that point, the profits will come in easily. Hmm. And then, and I suppose for anyone listening, it's, it's, you know, it's incredible to hear that you were met, able to do this within such a short period of time. Like, because I think people get that, they get almost time warped with, some of these funded accounts, like, you know, even staring down the barrel of, it's a 30-day challenge of, you know, 30 days, it's like, you know, it's a big chunk of, my, you know, of the year. But from what I'm hearing is you, you're you able to you're able to do this, and we'll get into more detail as to how you did it. Um, come out the end of a year, which started off with zero with a, a hefty profit. So in multiple, multiple funded accounts, passed and obviously profited and withdrawn from. So, um what I did want to find out, though, was when you were losing your first three accounts, what what uh, did you see that you were actually, you know, you could have won those, but it was just silly mistakes that had you losing them? Or was it like over leveraging or something like that? Or was it more you weren't quite picking the right setups or you you weren't quite there with your trading at that point? It was, it was a lot of it was just making stupid mistakes. Like I said, I didn't have a proper system. So it took me years to develop the system I'm using right now. It's a very simple system, um, risking 0.5% or 1% given if it's a conservative account or a funded account, uh, a one to two risk to award, maximum two losses in a day, maximum two wins in a day, and maximum four losses in a week. So the reason why is because maximum two losses in a day, once we take two losses, we tend to want to we tend to want to revenge trade, get back to our balance, and that will just lead to us blowing losing a big chunk of our account or even blowing it. So the moment I hit two losses, I'm done for the day. And a lot of people, even if they copy my system, they won't they will not close their laptop after two losses in a row because they haven't experienced the pain from not listening the last time. <clears throat> um, maximum two wins in a day. What I've realized in my past years is once I have two wins in a row. I started to get overconfident. I look back in the charts, even though it's a bad setup, I'll think, oh, this is a very good setup just because I'm confident for my previous trades and I would end up giving back my profits. And sometimes even like, damn it, I was up so much. 
uh, let me try to get back up and end up going, end up losing a big chunk of my account from going from very high profits to lo losing a bunch of it. So I placed a maximum two wins in a day. Two wins in a day, close the laptop. I don't care if there's a very clean setup with a 99.99% of a chance of hitting your TP. And then maximum four losses in a week is sometimes they're just bad weeks where you just have a losing streak or you're just doing bad. So once you take four losses in a row, it's like, like, Stop looking at the charts for the week. You're done. Um, come next week, get your energy back. Try to get your emotions back to back on track. And so that's the system I've developed over the years. Um, yeah. So what was the what was the question? Well, the the, uh, the question was really you know, and from what it sounds like, your answer your answer sounds like uh, you were doing well. Like you could have passed those first three challenges, but it was more the rigor around the the mindset side of it that was screwing you up because yeah. you were you're either getting too greedy or, or like some some kind of fundamental mindset thing was kicking in after those two trades that you won or two tra trades that you lost to revenge trade or get overconfident and get too greedy so which is it, it's a perfect answer because it really i think a lot of people out there might who have ever sort of gone gone into into a challenge or just even trading on a normal basis uh, would be thinking, oh, hang on a sec, maybe I should be limiting the number of trades. Not for the fact that you don't know that you, you, you know, your setup's there, you're seeing your setup, but for the fact that up here is going to be the thing that's screwing you over, not the fact that you can see your setup and it's a good setup and it goes on to win and it was the third trade and it would have, pull back all the pro, uh, all the losses that you just made but it's the mindset thing i think that's the key here that is the key it's the mindset thing you managed to get right is that right yeah yeah exactly yeah. that's exactly it because i because it's always the, it always comes back to your psychology because say for example i had a sell limit and price came so close to my entry and hit my tp and now i'm frustrated i'm like damn it i need to get in a trade now i, I could have made so much money from that trade so i start looking for trades i start making dumb mistakes, stupid mistakes I wouldn't have made if my psychology was proper. So it all comes back to just having a proper mindset, knowing what your weaknesses are and trying to avoid it, learning from your previous mistakes, which is very important. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's basically... It's, it's funny because, uh, I mean, it brings me back to the, the, the guest I had on the show la late last year, Tom Hugard, who has a completely different view on, you know, limiting the amount of trades you take and also also limiting the risk. So his risk on the on his initial account is like ten percent of the of the account. Uh, and he calls himself he calls himself a high stakes trader. Um, and he and he'll take as many trades as it takes in a day. With the setups there, he'll take the setup because in theory the setup should be fine. But and this is the thing, he works on his mindset twenty four seven. And everything is about hardening and like you know callousing his mind to the point where he what he he can't get phased he doesn't get phased by two losses in a row or two wins in a row everything's the same and I think what and this this is what I've been struggling with to to work out like what what is the what is the right answer here and what you're saying is like well I'm at the beginning of my journey I need the training wheels to keep me on track whereas he's you know. 15, 25 years in, he doesn't need the training wheels anymore. And I suspect the question for you is, do you see yourself at some point in the future, uh, assuming you know you keep this trajectory, being able to take those training wheels off and take a third trade or a fourth trade, blah, blah, blah? 
or is this something you're just like at the moment i need to keep it out of my mind completely otherwise it's going to derail me maybe i'll review that in five years time and see what happens yeah i I, there's a quote i always see your goal is to survive before you thrive in an industry where 95 percent fail because just surviving itself is good enough so my system is just a system for you to survive build a safety net and the moment you have a safety net whether it's money from any bank account or you have a bunch of funded accounts that's when you can go aggressive that's when you can up the risk that's when you can start to thrive so the system i give out it's 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 very conservative because a lot of us we're we're, we're still working we're like we're new to this uh most of us can't even be profitable so just being profitable itself is like a big accomplishment but only through years of actually surviving or making some type of money then eventually, once you have enough funded accounts, like for me, once I have a bunch of funded accounts, I have some accounts that go aggressive, some accounts that go conservative. But my first funded accounts and the best advice I give is you got to go conservative the first, your first funded account. You got to make sure you get some profits. And then once you have a bunch of funded accounts, once you once you have build that safety net, you can go aggressive on those accounts. Um, you will go aggressive on some accounts. As I build more and more funded accounts, what I've realized is that my portfolio is it's diversified. I don't combine all the capital and then trade like that. I have some accounts where I go 1% risk, some accounts where I went 0.5% risk. And I've also experimented with like 2% risk. Um, with those accounts, I would do 2% risk, which is basically like 20% of my capital. Cause you know how the platform, you only have 10% to trade. Yep. So it was basically like a 20% risk. So yeah. I would have, yeah. those accounts were like, I would have huge withdrawals, but then the next time I'll just blow those accounts. So those were like, those accounts were like, I accept that there's a chance they will blow it, but I don't mind blowing that account to take that high risk, high reward because I have a bunch of other accounts. I have my conservative accounts on the side. So that is, so going back to him, um, he probably has, he's he's in the stage where he can thrive. Um, the advice I give to everyone is your goal is to survive at first. You shouldn't be starting off 10% risk because you don't even know your emotions. You don't know you don't have experience managing your emotions, your capital. You're new to the game. Um, mm. You haven't even learned to survive yet. So that's so. Going back to um, that guy, he's in another stage right now. I yeah. feel like they stayed in this trading industry. Yeah, and I think that's a it's a great way to sort of put it. And you know, th- uh, survive before you thrive, which I think I've never heard before on the show. But it is a great like something that somebody can hang their, hang their head on and say, right, well, I'm in the survival mode at the moment. This is what I need to do, full stop. You know, I can't go ahead and just think that I can, you know, be like the professionals and and do whatever. I've got to follow these rules. Um, so, so one interesting thing I think you said there, and I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but you said you'd go for two R targets, two to one yeah. risk to reward. So that's your typical, which is funnily enough similar to Brian Tang, who was on the show, who I believe also trades a sort of variation of smart money concepts. I don't know if you know Brian or you've saw him. Yeah, I see him on Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so how did you get, because I know a lot of the smart money guys tend to go for these larger R's. How did you get to 2R and um, how does that? How did that impact your win rate? Yeah, so I used to start with 1 to 3, 1 to 4, just like everyone else. And then I transitioned to 1 to 2 because I realized that during my losing streaks, that was when my emotions are at the highest. That's when the chances the, the chances of self-sabotaging your accounts are the highest. You're trading with fear. And I realized that with a one to three, 
Um, it takes a while to get out of a losing streak, whereas a one or two, I'm out of a losing streak within maybe maximum three, four losing streak, whereas a one to three, it might take me five. I might have a five, six, seven losing streak. So a main con- component of that is going back to psychology. Um, and another thing is with a one to two, um, some people like in the ICT community, they target like certain areas, like say, for example, they're selling and they're targeting some equal lows because they believe there's liquidity. And the thing what I've noticed is that, um, yeah, you can have your one, two, whatever, trying to target that certain area. But what I tell myself is it is, it is, uh, it is, it is not likely to catch the entire move, but it is very likely to catch a part of the move. Mm. So that's where a one to two risk to award really comes in because my accuracy is higher because I'm just catching a part of the move. I don't need to catch the entire move. I'm satisfied with catching a part of the move as long as I'm catching it consistently catching it more likely than the other risk to awards. So that's why I really like one to two. And it really made me much more consistently profitable once I switched to a one to two. And, and do you keep your stop loss? Because obviously this, where the stops place is key to, to getting a one to two, right? Do you keep your stop loss as a typical sort of ICT stop loss placement? Or do you give it a bit more leeway um, because you know you're not trying to catch the whole move? So you've got a wider stop in the sense. Yeah, in a sense, yeah. Um, I like to keep my stop loss above the high. On average, um, my stop losses are 15 or 30 pips. Um, nothing, if it's above 30 pips, I try to tend to make it a little more tighter because I don't want to have 40 pips stop loss, 50 pips stop loss. It's too big. So yeah, majority of time is above the high, but if it's if the candle is too big or the order block is too big, I'll try to, I'll, I'll reduce it to 30 pips just, and I'll take that risk. I understand it's much riskier, but 30 pips is like the max for me. And this is for EU. GU is different because GU is a, GU might be like 40, 35 pips. But yeah. And you only trade three pairs, is that correct? Yeah, I only trade um, EU, GU, and AU. And, and then correlating with XY. Okay. And and what is your, uh, what's your win rate on the current 2R approach? Um, my win rate, it varies. Like I always say there's seasons in trading. There is winning seasons. There is losing seasons. There is times when price action isn't the cleanest price action is the cleanest, but I would say it's between 50 to 70%. Okay. So this, so therefore, you know, a two hour strategy is looking, is looking pretty healthy at 50 to 70%. Um, and what about like the number, you know, you talked about your limits, limit the number of trades you take. So do you always get two setups in a day that at least two? On average, it's like three to six, seven in a week. Every week is different, like I mentioned. Um, some weeks, I might just get two trades or maybe just one trade. NFP week, I like to reduce my trades, maybe one. I only took one trade this week and on Tuesday, um, but it all depends. Some weeks, I get a lot of trade setups, and that'll be like six, seven a week. But I like to keep my setups just between three to seven, A-plus setups, high-probable trade setups. And what kind of time frame are you entering on? Um, my entry is at a one hour or 15 minute. And so what does your typical trading day look like to catch those entries? And are you placing limit or stop orders or market execution? So um, so every three months of my life, it's always like a different um, shift. Uh, currently at my stage, I do wake up early in the morning for London session because I am a full-time day trader. I wake up around 2.45 a.m., just to stay up for London and New York session. But previously, when I had that doorman job, when I was a full-time college student, when I was living on my own, um, there, there would be times where I just wake up, I would sleep, wake up, 
put alarm at 2, 3 a.m., try to see if there's a setup present. If there's not, I'll just sleep, wake up for a New York session. Um, but for me right now, it's like I, I'm up London and New York session. And just because I'm up London and New York session doesn't mean I'm just watching the charts. The moment I wake up, I look at the charts. Um, I believe the first 15 minutes of analyzing the charts, since you have a fresh outlook, you can find the cleanest setups. But the more you look at the charts, the more your brain starts making up random trades. So the moment I wake up, if there's nothing clean, I shut off my laptop and I just continue my day. I go to the gym during um, London session, come back for New York session, see if there's anything clean. If there's nothing clean, maybe I'll come back a couple of hours later to see if any setup formed. But if there's nothing clean at all, I close my laptop and just continue my day. Um, I don't need to force any setups. So, yeah. And so if you do if you do see that, you know, there is a clean setup coming, I mean, what would you do then? Would you be like, okay, now I'm going to sit at the computer sit at the PC and or laptop and concentrate yeah, so for the next setup, so yeah so if there's a clean setup I have my alerts on um I have my alerts right near my institutional support or resistance areas so I just set my alerts um not at entry but like close to entry like to a point where like once it hits this point oh you gotta look at your phone now it might come to entry so I have so I wake up in the morning I set my alerts if there's potential setups and then close my laptop and continue my day and then once I get the alert I check my phone um, since I already analyzed the charts on my laptop in the morning, I already know what the higher time frame is like. And I only trade three pairs, so I know mm. like movements. I know yeah. what's happening in the higher time frame. So I only need to go on my laptop, look at all these monitors and see what's happening. I know what's already happening. So I check my phone. It's almost at entry. I'll enter my phone. Um, stop loss above the high. Um, once it hits 101, at a 101, I place my um, alert to let me know to place my stop loss to break even. And then... Yeah, so I don't look at the I don't look at my phone. I don't look at price going up and down, up and down. I just place my alert. I mean, place my entry, close my phone, have my alerts to let me know what's happening with my trade, and then just continue my day. And so you're you're only entering at a market order, or do you ever use penny orders? Uh, I I I I don't use um sell limits or buy limits because I feel like sometimes uh, what I've noticed in the past was I would wake up um when I had sell limits and it was just, it was such a sharp, like a big candle just break through my limits. So sometimes the momentum is really strong. So you have to, sometimes I like to watch and see what's happening because there's times when prices drops and it'll just go through your sell limits. So for me, it's a lot of looking at the charts, what's happening, um, enter once you think that the momentum is not as strong or yeah. And so just to get like a real granular view of this, when you're looking at your phone to enter the trade, right? So I'm assuming if you're entering on a, like you, you get you get the alert, you see that okay, it's coming to my level. Let's say you got five pips to get to your level. What? How long are you looking at your phone for? To or do you reset your alert to get to another level and then jump back in? How how long are you on the phone if you're not at mm. your laptop before you you know put your get your trade in? So that first alert is just telling me like oh it's close to your entry. I'll place another alert at entry. And then right. once I hit my entry, take out my phone real quick, what's happening? And then enter it. Because I already had everything like predetermined yeah. before. So I don't need to look at it again. But once it's entry, then I then I figure out like what's happening. Should I enter and then enter yeah. if I have to. And and you don't get like multiple um uh, you don't get sort of multiple setups happening at the same time. For example, like you've got an EU and a GU one triggering and you're like, oh, I've got two to now get on oh, and you get all panicked. And anything does that ever happen or is it normally just well, one setup if- at a time? Yeah, so if that's the case, EU and GU, they move similarly. So, for example, if one hits stop loss, the other one most likely will hit stop loss as well. So I just pick whichever one I think is the best trade. Or else if I take both trades, I'm not I'm not risking 0.5% per trade idea. I'm risking 1% per trade idea. 
because they move the same. So both his stop loss, they had stop loss. Both had TP, they had TP. So I just pick which one is which one is better. Yeah. Um, very rarely do I place two trades at a time because, like I said, I only trade three pairs. So, so you say you your trading day is pretty flexible then in terms of you're not tied to a machine. Uh, you know, looking at the charts all day. I mean, how does what do you do outside of the trading aspect of it? Um, so London session, I'm at the gym. Um, if there's a clean setup, I look at my phone at the gym. Uh, New York session, I come back. I'm, I come back from the gym. Um, I make my everyday, everyday, my oatmeal for breakfast, read my books during the New York session. If nothing's happening, I read my books. If something is happening, I'll wait for my alert to hit so I can look at the markets. Um, I do have my own Discord, so I do talk with them during New York session, what's happening. So I just keep myself occupied. Um, I don't, I don't, I really don't like looking at the charts for hours because, like I mentioned before, I make up random trades. I start, I start thinking like, oh, let me enter on this trade um, when I shouldn't have entered on that trade. I just look for A plus quality setups. Now I want to dive back into uh, the fact that you've managed to get multiple funded accounts with multiple mm-hmm. funding providers. Uh, how have you managed to achieve this given the fact you're entering like, you know, one trade at a time on your phone? What, what have you, what have you done to, to be able to do that? Do you manage them at the same time? Cause we've had a few guests on in the past where they've used software to manage the multiple, their trade mm-hmm. entries across multiple platforms and that sort of thing. What do you do? So, um, from 2021 to beginning of 2022, it took me, I, I, I got a bunch of 100K, 200K challenges. I lost a bunch of funded accounts. Um, so from it took me almost one year and a half to get from zero to 400K. But from 400K to seven figures, it took me like three months just because I feel like it's exponential. It takes a while to get your first 100K, 200K account. But once you have that account, once you finally do get a withdrawal, once you understand how to manage that account, you spend that withdrawals on other challenges and you keep working on building your funded account, you now have money to buy other challenges, buy 200K challenges, 400K challenges. Um, and then from two, from 400K to seven figures, like I said, it took me less than like three months. But the first 400K took me a year and a half of losing a bunch of funded accounts, losing to get a 400K, it, I lost 40 plus FTMO challenges just to get to a 400K funded account. And um so it's that first part was the hardest, but once I got that 400k, everything went up. Uh, so from 400k to seven figures, what I do is I have a bunch of challenges. I have a bunch of different approaches to approach the challenges. Um, I, I use a copy trader, social trader tools, which basically if you enter on one trade, it'll enter on the other challenges. So that's why I used a lot. Um, and if you if I because th- back then I was thinking. One, 20, one 400k challenge is basically 1% risk of my 400k account. So might as well just buy an, a bunch of different 400k challenges until I finally have seven figures in capital. So yeah, so yeah, that's basically it. And, and with the with the social trader tools, which we, I think Jade Capital FX, who was on here before and did the same kind of thing, have you had any, um, I mean, what, what do you, how do you find with like, because when you use these things, and I don't know if everyone's aware of this, but if you send across the stop loss and take profit levels or whatever, some of those are going to get triggered and some of them aren't because everyone's got a slightly different price feed. So if the price gets close to a stop loss, it's going to trigger that stop on maybe, let's say, three of your funded accounts and two of them are not going to get triggered. Uh, 
do you do anything around that? Do you sort of buffer your stops or you take profits and then you ha- almost have a sort of fake one so that you can get out on your normal account, and we'll find out what that one is in a second, and then let the other um, funded accounts just hover around that level um, until they get taken out before it hits the stop? I mean, so basically, like you're saying that once it hits that one account might hit stop loss, the other account might be close to stop loss. I do have an alert close to my stop loss. I'll check my accounts on my phone. If one hits stop loss, I'll just close it all out because at that point, it's close to the stop loss. It's not respecting the entry level. So I'll close that out. And then regarding like buy limit, sell limit, I don't do um, buy limit, sell limit. Once I enter on one account, it'll enter on every account regardless of the entry level price. And then with TP, I have my alert near TP. I don't have it on TP. I have it like a couple of pips uh, like above or below TP to let me know it's almost at TP. And then if some closes and others don't, I'll just close it. So right. it's not really a big problem for me regarding with that type yeah. of problem. And I think this is really useful for everyone who's listening and wants to know the detail. And especially the multiple setting of alerts is something I haven't heard before on the show. So that's something, I mean, I, I will probably even factor into what I do um, mm-hmm. because it is very ingenious just recreate those alerts. And I think it's pretty easier when you've got three pairs to manage as opposed to mm-hmm. a, a whole lot more, which makes a lot of sense. Now, um, in the beginning, what do you think made you different from like the mum and dad trader out there? What kind of traits do you have that others may not? What do you think uh, sent you on this path? Yeah, so people think that the profitable traders, they have some type of holy grail, that their trading accuracy is like 89%, that they know like what exactly price is going to do. But the truth is we don't like, we don't have an 80-90% accuracy or I don't have, maybe I'm not considered, I'm not considered that level yet, but I don't have an 80-90% accuracy. And what I've studied from these seven-figure traders is they don't have it either. Um, Jim Simmons, a billionaire trader, hedge fund owner, he um he said he has a 50, 55% accuracy and but he has it every time and that's his edge and since he has billions of capital he makes a lot of money on that little edge and that's where it go, all goes back to trading is not about flipping accounts you need to have a big enough capital where a couple percentage every month consistently can actually have some type of difference in your life and that's where it all it all, go, it all goes back to building your foundation getting a funded account using those profits to buy other challenges to get more funded account and once you have a big enough funded account your risk is little and you make a lot you make lots of money to cover your expenses or to live the life you want to live okay and you sort of you've almost answered the question uh my next question which was like if you were a sort of mum and dad trader looking to get a funded account get it profitable get a withdrawal from it if you had to go step by step what would be that process that you'd put them through yeah so the first step if you're new just getting to that funded level i i saw the statistic from some prof firm and it was like less than like 10% make it to their first payout from the start of the challenge. So just getting to that funded account. I like, I like to, I like to look at it like as mountains. The first mountain is the highest mountain. It takes forever to climb to that funded stage. Once you get that funded stage, now it's another mountain. That mountain is actually being able to manage that account, actually being able to make some type of profit with that account. And then the next mountain is once you do have a bunch of funded account, once you do have a seven figures or just multi six figures, that's another mountain to climb because now you have a bunch of funded accounts. You have to figure out how to manage those. So, but the, but the mountains get smaller and smaller. It gets easier as you go by step by step. So oh, let me, let me, let me answer the question. So the first step should be get a funded account. 
The second step should be once you have a funded account. And can I ask you a question on that first step? In terms of the size of the funded account, do you have any sort of uh, insight into that? Because it sounds like you've only gone for 100K accounts versus I know you can now get like, you know, with the, my sponsors, Fidel Crest, they've got a 10K account. I mean, what's mm-hmm. the thinking around that? So, so my first challenge mid-2020 was a 10K challenge. I started with a 10K challenge. Um, I failed that, but I realized I was like, okay, I gained experience. I understand how challenges of verification work. Your first challenge should not be a high challenge. You need to understand what exactly, like, oh, like you need some experience with these challenges and verification because sometimes you just might make like little mistakes that you didn't know about. So once I figured out, okay, I understand the concept of challenges and verification. I went for a 50K account, 50K funded challenge. I remember I had to ask my friend in America, um, can I borrow $350 to buy this challenge? I'll, I promised to pay you back and he sent me that money. And I did that challenge. I ended up actually passing that challenge and getting a withdrawal for 8K like five months later. But that was pure lucky. I feel like I was in a winning season or like I gambled and I actually got, a, like I actually did good. So, cause that entire 8K the next week, I, I, I put it into a Hugo's Way broker and I ended up losing all of that just cause I revenge traded. Um, I took a f- couple of losses and I was like, damn it, I gotta make my money back. And then I went from having 8K to like that. I just lost everything. And then, um, so I started 10K, I, then I started 50K. And then I would, and then with some of that withdrawal, I put into 100K. Then I started 100K. I, I, st- I, I stayed with 100K for a couple of months till eventually I got a funded account, got some withdrawal, got the money, then blew that funded account because I didn't have any proper risk management. I didn't know anything. Um, then I kept getting 100K challenges, 100K challenges. I worked my doorman job every money, every money, every dollar I got after rent went back to challenges. I would buy challenges every month from my paycheck. And 100k, 100k, then eventually 200k. It's I took it for me. It's a step by step process. The reason why people think that I'm starting off with 400k seven figures is because I only blew up this year just because of the profits I made and the seven figure capital I have. Whereas back then I didn't have nothing. Um, I was starting my journey 50k, 100k, uh, 50k challenges, 100k challenges, and then after two years of doing prof firm challenges and getting these accounts and losing them and learning from them, then only was I able to make such withdrawals and have such capital. And, so and, so yeah. I start from the bottom. Yeah. If, if you, I was just, just thinking, like, if you were to, say, start on, let's say, a tink, say, say you, the 8K that you'd made, if you had your 2022 on the 8K, how much profit would you have actually walked away with? Like, if you traded it through Hugo's way without the prop firms, like, i.e., the percentage gain on the account in well, total. With, um, just as an estimate. Do I have any like because if all I have is 8k in a bank account yeah. and I got no funded accounts, yeah. then I can't I can't approach that as a high risk, high reward. I need to I'll, I would have invested back into challenges or if I had to just trade that capital, I wouldn't be trying I wouldn't be risking what I was risking back then. I was risking like 1k per trade idea. Um I'll be aiming for five to ten percent, which isn't that much on an eight K account. That's why I highly recommend prop firm challenges because the moment you yeah. pass them, you get a lot of capital, and that's like you're not liable for losing those accounts. Um, so yeah, yeah. So so the, the reality is you probably would have made like maybe four hundred bucks or something on the eight K if you if you traded the way with the without the prop firm capital behind it. I mean, I'm not just yeah. guessing here, but it's going to be lower. Okay, so so sorry, I cut you off there on the step-by-step. We went on to 10K accounts. Um, so the step one was get yourself a funded account. Did you have other steps to get people there? 
So, so step one, getting getting yourself a funded account. And like I said before, it's not like you pass a challenge, you pass a verification, you get a funded account. You're going to pass a challenge, you're going to fail it. You're going to pass a challenge and you're going to fail the verification. It's going to be a bunch of those. Um, then you get your first funded account and then that's step one. And then step two is actually getting your funded account, but risking 0.5% or less. You should not be risking 1% because that's basically 10% of what you actually have. You're risking 10%, not 1%. So I highly recommend you risk 0.5% or 0.25%, whatever you feel comfortable with. And with those small risks, you get some small or medium rewards, then you use that money to buy other challenges. And if you want to go aggressive on those challenges, if you feel greedy, put it on those challenges. Um, while, so basically, build your capital while protecting your capital is step number two. And then step number three is you finally, it takes time to get these funded accounts. You finally pass the challenges, you finally pass the verification. You have a bunch of funded accounts. Step three is now managing all that capital and actually being profitable. That's why I always say trading is exponential. The profits are exponential. From step from step one to step two, you might, step one, you build, you're not going to make any profits because you're, you're working on getting a funded account. Step two, you might make little profits. But while you're working on step two, once you get that a lot of funded accounts, step three is like, like you have so much funded account, you're risking so much, you have so much fun, you have different funded accounts, some are aggressive, some are conservative. And that's that that was me in 2022. And so what about 2023? What's your, <clears throat> what's your goal for this year, given the fact you've already got the seven figure funding? Mm. Is it more funding or something else? It is. Uh, so there was a holiday sale. So I got a bunch of funded accounts, <laughs> like, yeah, I got a bunch of funded accounts, so I'll be working on those. Um, But uh, but this year I'm gonna go more of because last year I was very disorganized. Um, I last year I was just getting used to like how to manage seven figures account. I would have funded accounts, conservative accounts. I would build. You know, are you, are you a way of the term buffer or a cushion? A cushion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So basically, just risking less until I make like two percent in profit. Then I'll up the risk. So I was just doing that for a bunch of different accounts. But going to 2023, I'll have one account conservative, one account aggressive, one account maybe in between a hybrid while working on these challenges. And my goal for 2023 is just be more organized, build my capital. I don't set financial targets because like I said, there are seasons in this game. There is times when you do really good. Maybe I might go above my target if I did set a financial target, or maybe I might, I might not even reach it. So whatever happens, whatever price wants to give me, whatever the markets want to give me, I'll take it. But my goal for 2023 is basically just to get more funding, um, stick with my system, have more funded accounts so I could go aggressive on some of them and get a high risk, high reward type of approach, just like your friend from from before. So yeah. Okay. And and sort of going forward from there, have you got any like a five year plan if things keep on? I'm taking a step by sorry, I'm taking it step by step because yeah. a lot of times like my plans never work out. Like right. since I was a kid, like I, since high school, I wanted to be something, and then that plan didn't work out. In college, I had a plan that didn't work out, and then now, like in twenty, I didn't, I did not expect to be in this position in twenty twenty two, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, twenty twenty one. I, I used to tell myself, I'm gonna be six figures, I'm gonna hit six figures, I'm gonna hit seven figures. Going to twenty twenty two, I had the mindset, whatever happens this year, um, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I didn't set a financial target, and if you were to tell me the beginning of twenty twenty two where I am right now, you, I would say impossible. So what? So let's see what happens in twenty twenty three if yeah. I could even hit bigger milestones that would be great yeah um, that's that's yeah. that's interesting that is a really interesting insight in terms of like potentially a, a mindset you know kind of thing that you've just stumbled on um yeah. whereby there was that pattern of setting the targets or goals and not achieving them and now whatever happens is a target i'm just going to put the work in and 
Bob's your uncle. Yeah. There you go. Now, um, talking about mindset, do you have any other sort of techniques that you use to try and keep that mind um, in the right spot? So a good exercise I do is I get a, a coin and I flip it 10 times. If it lands on head, heads up. I'll do plus two. If it lands on tail, I'll do minus one. And usually after the end of the 10th flip, I'm always in positive. So it goes back to my system, a one or two risk to award with a 50% accuracy. So that's a, that's something I always do just to remind myself, think long-term. You remember at the end of the 10th flip, most of the times you will be profitable. There might be times where you're not profitable and that's fine. But even if you're not profitable, it's not going to be like you're down big. You might be down 1% in those rare times, but I keep flipping that coin just to remind me that way. I don't think about trading as a trade by trade basis, but more of a, over a series of trades, I'll be profitable. That is awesome. That is awesome. That's like that. Never, ever heard that before. That's fantastic. 200 and probably 10 episodes or so. And this is ridiculous. Um, right now, uh, if there was one thing you could recommend somebody go away and master something for the next month, what would that be? Go ahead and master something. Um, I would just say um, you got to read books on proper trading psychology because some because amateurs they'll, they'll read the book but they won't really understand it. But once they make that mistake, they might just go back and think, "Oh, is that the reason why he said that?" And they'll reread the book or reread the source, and then they'll understand what their mistake was, why this book or source says don't do that, and that's how you grow as a trader. Just experience with proper guidance. Nice. Nice. Okay. Now, um, we're going to go through quick sort of five questions here. So first one is, how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? Um, three, and a, three and three months. Three years and three months. Uh, what's your favorite entry setup? Uh, turtle soup or liquidity grab into an order block following the trend. Never heard of turtle soup before, but that'll be interesting. This is a complicated term of liquidity grab. Like, uh, if there's okay. an equal high, like price will come and take out that high. Okay. Okay. Um, what about strategies to exit or manage trades? Uh, straight one or two risk to award. That straight one to two risk to award. This is a quick shot. So. And you and you mentioned you mentioned the break even rule at one hour. Oh, one to one stop loss to break even or above the high. Uh, what's your recommended trading book or resource? Uh, trading in the Zone and Mind Over Market, a one-hour YouTube video. Oh. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, what about your preferred broker and trading platform? Um, no preferred broker or anything. Hey, folks, ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no-brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now, by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just $1 per 100K. You can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. Okay, and what about trading platform? What what do you use to... Oh, trading. Trading view? Okay. And uh, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, leave what? Uh, our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? <laughs> um, uh, stay patient, um, think long-term, and if you don't get greedy or impatient, you'll be fine. Brilliant. Awesome. Well, look, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the traders to get hold of you? Uh, Instagram, at the life of Paladin, uh, and Twitter is Paladin Butia, but Instagram preferably. Brilliant. Well, look, guys, what, what we'll do is... Um, 
uh, we're going to put all these links up in the show notes. So uh, a big thank you to Paladin here for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed, as I mentioned, will be in those show notes. Just search for Paladin. It's P-A-L, sorry, P-A-L-A-D-I-N in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, so there you have it, interview done and dusted with Paladin. Now, if you're looking for more, want to see what he does on a price chart, we did shoot a video after this, so go and check that out over there on the YouTube channel. Also, whilst you're clicking around down there, have a, and you're inter- if you are interested in that Robot Builders Club boot camp running in January, early January, so there's a f- about a week to register for that if you are keen, super low price, and you're going to basically learn everything you need to know to really get yourself going for yourself starter it's going to be fantastic so i'd love to see some of you guys in there all right folks enough from me have a great trading week and we'll see you in the next episode